the HD Movie Podcast may contain mature content, strong language and spoilers. Hello and welcome to episode 115 of the HD Movie Podcast. I'm Darren Gaskell. And I'm Hayley Alice Roberts. And in this episode, we take a final look at our Werewolf Movie miniseries. For the last one, we're covering something a lot different to the other films that we've had a look at. It is 1985's Teen Wolf. For the final time, we're taking a look at werewolf movies, and this one is particularly different to the ones that we've already covered. We're stepping out of the horror genre almost. It is a werewolf movie, but it's also a high school movie. It's also a strange basketball sports movie as well. It's Teen Wolf, directed by Rod Daniel and starring, of course, Michael J. Fox. And this is definitely a safer option for our listeners if you're not quite into the gory side of werewolf movies. This one's a little bit more innocent than what we've already covered. But that said, let's get into Teen Wolf. And who better to tell us about Teen Wolf? The one, the only, he's back, people, Mr Nick Briganis. As if being the most pathetic player on his school's perpetually overshadowed basketball team weren't enough. Average 17-year-old high school student Scott Howard is about to discover that his problems are far from over. And as the first signs of unwanted change destroy what's left of his meagre chances of falling in love, Scott accidentally discovers his family's hereditary condition. Now, Scott sprouts hair everywhere, and his ridicule team is now on a winning streak. But how on earth can a bullied student become an overnight sensation? Is the teenage werewolf persona the answer to Scott's prayers? Mm, yeah, I do remember this over the years and I'm not the hugest fan of this movie. I think one of its problems is it doesn't quite know what it wants to be. It sets off as a high school comedy, then it kind of gets into sort of coming of age dramedy and then there's a little bit of very mild horror in it. And then it's kind of a split personality movie where... He's trying to work out whether he wants to be the wolf or himself. It's a mixture of lots and lots of different factors. 
not all of which work. I don't think Michael J. Fox is particularly fond of this movie, especially as it was massively overshadowed by Back to the Future. But I wasn't checking my watch when it was rolling. It did jump about. It's, it's got some slightly dodgy politics about its treatment of its female characters. Of course, it's the mid-80s. What other movies had dodgy treatment of female characters, quite a lot of them doesn't forgive it. Considering it's something that I hadn't seen in a while, and also considering that it's something that I instantly forget as soon as I've watched it, it was a damn sight better than Cursed. That's what I'll say. I will give it that too, to be fair. I mean, I can't say I thoroughly enjoyed Teen Wolf, but I did have a better time watching this than I did Cursed. Cursed is probably one of the worst werewolf movies of all time, if not the worst. I mean, I can't say I've seen them all. But yeah, I say we went for this one because it's a little bit more on the light-hearted side, but I think it's not really aged well. Time hasn't been kind to this movie. It's complete 80s cheese in a, a very sort of flat way as well. Like, this film doesn't really quite know what it wants to be. It does feel a little bit of a slog to get through, and it's just, as Darren said, jumps from one thing to the other. And I feel that we get a little bit of his backstory at the start and then it just jumps to this werewolf transformation out of nowhere and then we learn that it is a hereditary condition so I'll give it that it's different from whatever we've covered it's not like he was bit by a werewolf it does not go down the horror route at all in that regard and yeah Michael J Fox is not a fan of this movie to quote what he said was Steven Spielberg's down the street making great movies and I'm playing a werewolf now, this was actually shot before Back to the Future. It was released after because they decided to hold it back because they wanted to capitalise on Michael J. Fox's success from playing Marty McFly in Back to the Future, which you know made him a household name, essentially, in the movie world. And they just wanted to capitalise on his fame and success and thought this will be the best way to market this movie because if everyone loves Back to the Future, they're going to want to see their likeable teen hero in another film of that sort of kind in a genre film but yeah this is just nowhere near the quality of back to the future it has got a little bit of a, a low budget feel in some ways as well i mean the makeup effects are okay the transformation's okay for the 80s it's nothing spectacular there's a bit of prosthetic work going on they were really trying with this they, they were quite creative with it but as i say it doesn't really hold up in 2023 unfortunately I just didn't really care for much about what was going on in it. I mean, maybe I'm just getting too old for teen movies. I say that a lot of the time and I couldn't really connect with the characters in it or really care what happened. And it's just one of those really cheesy films where you just roll with it. And I can see how it would have probably been liked in the 80s, but I just don't feel that time has been very kind to Teen Wolf. Yeah, that's all fair. And they were right about holding it back until Back to the Future was released because off a $4 million budget, it grossed $30 million at the box office. So it was a pretty decent success. But in terms of quality of movie, it's streets behind Back to the Future. It doesn't hold a candle to it. There are a couple of decent gags in it, but they are spread very thinly over a running time of about an hour and a half. And it just flits from one place to another. 
it doesn't really stick to any plot thread because at the start they introduce his best buddy Styles, and you think Styles is going to be kind of his wingman throughout the movie and the guy who's guiding him through all of these trials and tribulations of becoming a werewolf. But Styles kind of comes in and out of the plot. He's there one moment and then he disappears for quite a lot of the time. Then he's back again trying to promote the wolf side of Scott's personality. And then pretty much out of nowhere, there's this subplot where they're putting on this play as well. And it's kind of a mechanism for Scott to be trying to woo the girl of his dreams, who is Pamela, played by Laurie Griffin. Now, of course, Pamela is the popular one. She's dating the basketball player who is the rival of Scott on another team. And, of course, while Scott is trying to woo Pamela, he's completely ignoring his best friend called Booth. And you kind of know that the two of them are probably going to end up together, but they've got to throw various obstacles in their way across the course of the movie. There's a fairly odd sequence for a family movie in which Pamela disrobes in front of Scott for no other reason that she pretty much wants to have sex with him. And this happens right in the middle of the movie. So kudos to Team Wolf for actually chucking a gratuitous if pg rated sex scene into the middle of the movie it was something that i was quite surprised with when i first saw it it still surprises me now it's completely out of place with the rest of the movie but weirdly you would normally have the nerdy front guy chasing this woman for the entire movie and never actually making any progress with her no smack in the middle of team wolf scott has sex with pamela and then kind of wrecks the second half of the movie because once he's done that, the movie doesn't really know what to do with itself. So it now has to throw different obstacles in Scott's way. And Pamela's boyfriend still wants to come after him. Now not because they're rivals on the basketball court, now because they're rivals in love. Except Pamela immediately says to Scott, it was just a one-time thing, I'm not really interested in you. So... It's a weird plot twist, and I'm not really sure why they threw it in. It doesn't help the movie at all. And the rest of the movie, they suddenly decide, okay, we're going to try and get Scott and Booth together. But Booth wants Scott to be Scott. She doesn't want him as the wolf. So there's that clash between, does he stick as this very cool wolf persona, or does he just be himself? I'll leave you to guess what he decides at the end of the movie. It's no surprise whatsoever. Absolutely. Yeah, the love triangle just feels like a slog. There's no real tension there, to be honest, between either side. The other basketball player who's the boyfriend of Pamela, he's just that stereotypical jock bully that you see in all teen movies. The performance is not particularly good. It's all a bit hammy, so that doesn't really work. And then, as I say, they've got him with one girl and then they want to get him with the girl that he's allegedly meant to be with his best friend, the one that's been right under his wolf nose this entire time. And there's just no sort of excitement towards this. As I said, I wasn't really bothered what happened in this at all, like whether he got together with Booth or not. It didn't really reek of this big epic movie romance. It just didn't have that going for it, really. I have to mention it, and I'll try to get through talking about this without laughing, so bear with me. But 
yes, at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, him and Booth do get together, but you're so distracted by what's in the shot as they are kissing at the end, the end scene, because you see somebody stand up from the bleachers and their fly is under them. And this person is doing their fly up and the movie ends, the credits roll. It's a sight to behold. It's one of those things that has gone in as a bit of a movie legend for many, many years. And it's one of those things like you have to freeze frame to see it. But this one is very blatant. If you know where to look, you will not miss it. And I just think, even if you didn't know where to look, there's just no way that you wouldn't notice it because the framing of the shot's really weird. You've just mainly got the upper part of Michael J. Fox's body and the actress playing Booth there. So you, it's like not a very good shot of them. And then it just kind of, the camera pans up and then you just see this person doing their fly. And I mean, surely this was not intentional. This poor person that was just an extra and realised that the fly was undone. Rumour is that it is a woman rather than a man as well. So that is probably the most interesting fact about Teen Wolf because it is just so unintentionally I'm guessing that that was possibly one of the last things they had to film and they just left it there. It's a weird thing to end the movie on. And you're right about the framing of the shot at the end because you'd think that there'd be a big close-up of Scott and Booth finally getting together after all this time. But no, it's kind of a long shot of the bleachers and there's just people around. Yes, they're celebrating a win in the basketball championship. Oh, sorry, spoiler alert their shitty basketball team suddenly becomes world beaters and wins the championship at the end. And Scott gets the winning points as well. Again, no massive surprise there. But it's just a weird end to the movie. It kind of comes to a crashing halt. It's like, everything's sorted. Yeah, right, we're done. Stop. Dead stop. Yeah, it's a bizarre way to close your movie. There's no fade out or anything. It's just this freeze frame and then the credits go up. Go figure. Maybe it was an 80s affectation they thought oh let's end this movie in a strange way let's just bang a freeze frame in there with somebody trying to do the flies up in the background maybe that'll work yes it was a woman apparently and apparently her her trousers were so tight that she had to loosen them a bit which involved unzipping the fly and then at the end with the big celebratory sequence when she was given the direction to stand up Of course, the flies are still open, and then that was the time she thought, well, I'd better do them up again. Now, she probably didn't realise that they'd keep that in the movie. I don't know what happened in the editing suite. Maybe they didn't have time to go back and shoot any of it, but if you saw that in an editing suite, you'd just think, oh, shit, there's somebody doing the flies up in the background there. What are we going to do about that? It's weird. I just, (laughs) It's like a lot of this movie. It's such an odd clash of different genres. Not all of them work. Arguably, none of them work. I think that it's probably better when it's going for the comedy. But even then, the comedy seems to veer between this kind of very sweet rom-com stuff between Scott and Booth. But then it's kind of going towards the National Lampoon's Animal House stuff, but not quite in that sort of area because it's a PG. So you've got people surfing on the top of vans. So you've got irresponsible behaviour by high school kids, which again seems completely out of place. It just seems that the pinnacle of being cool in this high school is to stand on top of a moving van while it's driving down the road. Well, 
if you're the sort of person that wants to surf on top of a moving van in traffic going along some American high street, my feeling is you're an absolute fucking idiot for doing that. And I guess they were thinking, oh, look, aren't these people cool? Look, you know, they've been edgy. They're riding on the top of this van. And they do it a couple of times. It's two different characters that do it. And both times I was just thinking, you knobheads, you absolute knobheads for doing that. It didn't impress me one little bit. The basketball action also didn't impress me one little bit. I am a fan of basketball. In fact, I've come from a basketball game just before recording this podcast. And the sports sequences in this movie are absolute dog shit. It's the worst basketball you will ever see. It's just 10 clueless men bouncing a ball up and down the court, not having one iota of knowledge about what the game consists of. And I know that we're not talking about a sports documentary here, but my feeling is just make it look at least a little bit realistic. I mean, come on, just have a little bit of creativity. Although having seen what the director was saying about some of the basketball sequences, he did say that probably there's an hour of the worst sports footage on the cutting room floor somewhere. So maybe that's the best they had to work with. And to be perfectly honest, it doesn't count in its favour because there's too much focus on the basketball in this movie. There's a big chunk of it where it's just about the basketball games. It's not interesting at all. The people who've come to see Michael J. Fox won't want to see a basketball movie. The people who've come to see a teen comedy won't want to see a basketball movie. The people who've come to see a werewolf transformation movie will not want to see a basketball movie. The basketball stuff needs to be cut down in this movie. As a fan of the sport, I was bored watching the basketball stuff. Sorry, Team Wolf, your sporting prowess is not very good, I have to say. And it could have done with being half as short as it was. Except for the final game where it suddenly jumps to the very end of it. And there's this transformation where it's five guys on a team. These guys would never, ever win any basketball games. It's just how it is. And then all of a sudden, because they all start playing together, they hammer this really good basketball team in the second half of this game. And then Michael J. Fox, who hasn't decided to play, suddenly turns up, is allowed to get on the court, even though he said, I'm not playing. Now, nobody says, well, hold on a minute. He wasn't down to play. Why are you letting him on the court? I know it's a fantasy movie, but this is just annoying to me that suddenly some guy who says, I am not playing. So basically, they wouldn't have put him on the team roster at all. He wouldn't have been on there. And all of a sudden, he shows up and everybody's like, Oh, yeah, absolutely, he's fine to play. If I was on the other team, I'd be like, fuck off, fuck off, he wasn't on the team roster, he can stay on the bench. I can imagine that this film would be incredibly frustrating for someone who is very knowledgeable about the sport, like specifically basketball, which is our subject matter here. And even for people that don't know a huge amount of um, basketball, I think my knowledge just goes as far as Space Jam. I think that is the most basketball I ever saw growing up so (laughs) I don't have a lot of in-depth knowledge about the sport but yeah you can tell when things just look like they're bouncing a ball just for effect because they don't know what they're doing and I think the filmmakers admit they didn't know what they were doing if they have all this really awful footage on the cutting room floor I mean considering what was in the movie it's like what else did they have and the fact that they spent a huge amount of time on shooting basketball sequences but didn't have time to reshoot 
extra shots for the ending, as far as we're aware, so that they've got caught somebody with a fly down. It says a lot, really. I mean, what they should have had is a close-up on the main couple and then freeze frame and end it. And then going back to the reckless behaviour that's depicted in this film, I'm honestly surprised that the BBFC didn't actually put the rating higher. So I'm actually surprised they let this slide as a PG. And yeah, it, it is on the fence of being a PG and maybe a 12, because as we discussed earlier, there is the sexual suggestion in it, which is more than just a reference. It's actually heavily implied, even though, you know, you see basically a scantily clad woman that's all you really see but it's still a pg rated movie and if you compare it to other films of that rating for families you're not always gonna see stuff like that so i think it is walking a very shaky ground there with its rating which kind of makes it all the more interesting and i suppose one of the main interesting things about it because as i say this this film i just didn't find it particularly enjoyable and I think it's one of those movies that it is a title. It's something everybody knows. It stars one of the biggest teen actors of that time. So it is going to have a fan base. But just looking at it now, I just don't really see this as a classic movie, as a cult classic movie. I just really don't think it has that edge to it. It's just a little bit bizarre. They wanted to make teen comedy with a werewolf and use it as coming of age. But there was just so many ways they could have improved on it i think this was the wrong genre for this it needed to be a horror as well i think personally i think it needed to have that horror slant to it in order to give it that edge because it just kind of plods along and there's no real shock value or surprise in it it's just kind of like oh i've just turned to a werewolf oh my dad's also a werewolf and it's just played so straight yeah it just comes across as very bizarre to watch and then interestingly, when I was doing some research into the background, this wasn't actually the first teen werewolf movie to come out in the 80s. There's actually a film of a similar ilk called Full Moon High from 1981. Now, I've never seen this film. Darren is grinning at me right now, so I'm assuming he's seen this movie. How do they compare? I don't mind Full Moon High. It's, again, it's quite cheesy. So, yeah, you're right. It did get beaten to the punch by Full Moon High. Neither of them is a great movie, I have to say. But it's an interesting one to catch if you want to check out some more early 80s werewolf action. I mean, you're right with the coming of age thing. We've looked at Ginger Snaps, which takes the werewolf myth and then allies it to a coming of age movie in a really effective way. This does not. This is just using it as a springboard for some fairly daft gags and a bit of tension between Michael J. Fox's character and some of the other people in high school. It's not tension between him and his dad, funnily enough. You think that this movie's going to go in the direction where there's going to be a problem with him and his father because his father hasn't told him about this hereditary condition in the family. But as soon as that's got out of the way, it's fine. There doesn't seem to be any tension between him and his dad at all, apart from that one sequence where he's transforming in the bathroom. And his dad's saying, you need to let me in, you need to let me in, open this door now. And then he opens the door and his dad's a werewolf as well, which is probably the funniest bit in the entire movie. However, if you saw the Teen Wolf trailer before you saw the movie, that's in the trailer. So they've blown the best gag in the movie in the trailer. In fact, all the good bits of Teen Wolf were in the cinema trailer, which I remember very clearly. The bit where he goes to get the beer and he gets the glowing eyes and scares the shopkeeper into getting him a keg of beer. 
that's in the trailer. The bit with the father turning into the werewolf, that's the trailer. The wolf slam dunking the basketball, that's in the trailer. You don't really need to see the movie, unfortunately, if you've seen the Teen Wolf trailer. And I clearly remember the cinema trailer capitalising on Michael J. Fox because I clearly remember right at the end of the trailer it says, Teen Wolf, a new comedy starring Michael J. Fox, star of Back to the Future. And that's right at the end of the Teen Wolf trailer that was on in the 80s in the cinema. So they were riding the coattails of that movie as far and as fast as they could. About the certificate, it seems to be PG in some places. If you rent it in certain places, it's a PG. I watched it on Sky Sci-Fi, and Sky Sci-Fi had rated it as a 12 for discriminatory content. Interesting that the oh, rating is yeah. two two different ratings in two different places. So Sky Sci-Fi have thought, well, you know what? Maybe this isn't suitable for very young kids. Let's give it a 12, which is quite an interesting way of dealing with it. Other places, though, I'm pretty sure it's still PG if you rent it. Yeah, I think it's definitely leaning more towards a 12 than a PG. I don't think as a child younger than 12 that I would have really enjoyed this. I think it is more for that teen movie market. So come on, up the rating and then, you know, get a bit more risque. I mean, they had that opportunity there. It did not need to appeal to small children. What you say about they were really capitalising on Michael J. Fox's success, which we've already mentioned, but I don't think this film would have done well without him. He is the focal point of this and... I think this is the reason that I particularly wanted to watch it because I like him as an actor and I love Back to the Future, who doesn't? But it's not a great movie and even he can't save this film for me because I don't think his character is particularly likeable in it. Say like he does inhabit reckless behaviour and he is basically embodying himself in this love triangle. He's not exactly very respectful towards women, the way they've portrayed this character. So I don't think looking at it from 2023 eyes that it has aged particularly well in terms of its morals and what it's trying to present and he just does not come across as a great guy even going back to when we covered cocktail it's like this kind of idea that audiences have you've got this well-known actor and you're there and you think oh you've got to root for him but sometimes the character's behavior doesn't match the expectation and I felt very much that with this. And so say if you took him off the poster and put a complete unknown, this film would have fallen into obscurity and I don't think anybody would have really been that bothered about it in the slightest. So it's just basically a cash grab. They were just so lucky that their lead actor became so successful and then they released it. They waited at that pivotal moment. But without that, I just don't think this film would have achieved the success that it did at the time. Yeah, totally agree. I think without Michael J. Fox and without Back to the Future propelling the marketing of Team Wolf, this would have vanished without a trace. We would not be talking about it now. Well, we might be talking about it now, but we'd be talking about it it's like, oh, you remember that really obscure straight-to-video movie Teen Wolf in the 80s with some guy you've never heard of since? It would have been like that. The only thing I can say about Teen Wolf is it's not Teen Wolf 2. I've not seen Teen Wolf 2. I have heard terrible things about it. Now, I know that Michael J. Fox was no longer available to return for a sequel, and I believe that it centres on his character's cousin, played by a young Jason Bateman. 
that is kind of the extent of my knowledge on Teen Wolf 2. I'm very tempted. Would it entertain me more than the first one? I'm not sure. We can cover Teen Wolf 2 if you want, but don't say I didn't warn you. <laughs> I'm quite intrigued now, but then saying that, I'll, I'll be coming on this podcast going, what the fuck did you make me watch? So, as I say, interestingly, going into the research of the legacy of this movie, I came across something that I had not thought about in years. A Canadian TV show that came out in 1999, which was produced by Fox Family, called Big Wolf on Campus was something that I did used to watch when I was younger. And it was one of those shows that I remember watching in the 90s, really enjoying and hadn't thought about it since. It faded in my memory. I was like, oh my God, I remember that. So I just watched the intro of it and it looked absolutely cheesy as hell. And I bet it's probably not that high in quality, but when you're nine years old, it's like you're not going to be bothered by bad quality teen TV shows. So that was quite fun to find something that I hadn't revisited in a long time, or even, as I say, thought about. It's never come up in my head canon of my favourite 90s TV shows that came out during my formative years. And of course, there was a 2011 TV series produced by MTV of Teen Wolf, and that leaned more into a supernatural horror drama it was a bit darker I don't think it was as goofy as as the movie again I didn't actually get around to watching it but I think that was probably along the similar lines of tv shows like Vampire Diaries and Supernatural and that type of genre so that's quite interesting so it has actually spawned a bit of a legacy it had a sequel it even had an animated series as well that came out after the movie and then it had a another tv series and inspired a bunch of other things so it's quite interesting how it's kind of pinged off on different media after it because as I say I think this is quite forgettable but if it wasn't for Michael J Fox and Back to the Future as we've said and you can't avoid that subject when you're discussing this film it would not have been in the position to spawn off all these spin-offs or sequels. Yeah it does seem that on the whole the spin-offs are mostly better than the source material. I did see a bit of the MTV series. It ran for quite a few seasons, and it does take a slightly darker turn, and it's more leaning into supernatural drama. And you're right, it's kind of around that era of things like the Vampire Diaries, so it's leaning into that sort of atmosphere, and it's better than this movie. I'm not saying that it was something that I would religiously watch, but it was fine. It is better than the movie. That's not a very high bar that we set in for this movie. It's the sort of thing that while I was watching it, it was fine. It washed over me. I thought, right, that was okay. And then as soon as I finished watching it, I just thought, yeah, but now I'm coming to think about it. That wasn't actually all that good. It's one of those things that you could have on in the background. It's quite inoffensive most of the time. Yes, there's some fairly dodgy treatment of its female characters as we've said but generally there's nothing particularly out there about it it doesn't really do anything particularly special it just as you say plods along doesn't really have anything to make it stand out in fact the only thing that could be offensive about it i think in general is that it is so inoffensive. It doesn't try to swing for anything. It's just happy with that middle ground all the time. And it's only the odd thing 
like the subplot with Pamela where she's taking her clothes off for Scott because apparently he's just suddenly become irresistible because he's got this wolf gene in him and all the women are falling over him. Yeah, well, weren't we over that in the 70s with the blokes in sitcoms with all the dolly birds around? Had we sort of put that to bed the previous decade? Apparently not. No, this was alive and well in American genre cinema in the mid-80s. And to be perfectly honest, the way that Booth falls over Scott, she's all over him for the entire movie. It's kind of slightly stalkery behaviour at some points as well, which is a bit weird. But even so, I was left thinking, why is she pursuing this guy? Because as you said, he's not a particularly great guy. He's a bit of a dickhead. And we're supposed to buy into this, that yes, he might be a bit of a dickhead, but he's really cool. And when he's the wolf, he's even more cool. And then when he realises that he doesn't have to be the wolf, he's even cooler still. Oh, no, no, he isn't. Yeah, it's like, what have we got out of this film? It's just pure vanity. I think that's that's literally it for this character. And we're supposed to accept that and be like, oh, yeah, this guy is really cool, as you say. And, yeah, with Booth, like, following him around like a lovesick puppy for the entire movie, and he comes across as so uninterested in her until he realises, oh, actually, she might be the one for me in that typical rom-com style trope. So, Teen Wolf, it's uh, it's a movie. It's not it a is. movie I would particularly recommend. <laughs> and again, another fun fact about this whole Michael J. Fox capitalization is that in Brazil, the movie was actually retitled to Boy from the Future, which has nothing to do with the plot whatsoever. And that is, again, a manipulative tactic just to get people who are fans of Back to the Future to watch this. But there's just no contest between the two films. They are very, very different. There's nothing that really ties them together apart from the lead actor. I think that's... And they were made in the 80s around the same time. But, yeah, genre-wise, there's just no comparison, really. It's um, a very, very strange one. Yeah. Boy from the Future. That makes it sound like a sci-fi movie, Boy from the Future. And it is nonsense. That's a completely nonsense title, Boy from the Future. Yeah, he might be a boy, but he's not from the future. Ridiculous. But, of course, 80s marketing of movies was particularly manipulative. You only had to look at things like all the Italian Mad Max ripoffs that were coming out on VHS. They all have very similar titles. Or you'd get something that actually would say on the tape, it'd say, in the tradition of Mad Max comes, and dot, 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 and then the movie's title. And you'd watch this movie and be nothing like Mad Max at all. It'd be just some cheap jack, knocked off, low-budget, dreadful pseudo-action movie that you'd think, why the fuck did I rent this? The 80s were full of why the fuck did I rent this moments, and it was a great era. Teen Wolf... I'm guessing there's lots and lots of people who had a why the fuck did I write this moment when Teen Wolf got popped into the VHS player as well. Yeah, I can imagine that. I can't really imagine anybody raving over this. Another fun fact that I did want to mention before we finish off comes from Minty Comedic Arts, who has done a video on Teen Wolf and also a video on Teen Wolf 2 as well, which I will check out once I have seen the cinematic masterpiece that is allegedly Teen Wolf 2. Teen Wolf is meant to be a superhero film. And if you look at the cover, the cover is quite recognisable and it will be imprinted in your mind, like if you see it with Michael J. Fox ripping his shirt open. 
and basically Minty explains that they were going for the whole Superman thing and it is that whole thing of he's got this split personality one minute he's just a regular guy and then he turns into something superhuman so you've got all that play in it but it just doesn't really work and it is an odd situation when he does transform in front of the school like everyone's like oh my god like he's amazing there's none of this oh my god let's get out of here he's a wolf and you know something so unnatural happening and everyone reacting like it's the most normal thing in the world like oh he's just turned into a wolf that explains a lot and I know it is meant to be an allegory for coming of age and acceptance and embracing who you are and embracing the changes that happen to you. That's all very much there in the subtext, but it is just very weirdly handled. And the way it delivers this message and has everyone react as if this is the most normal thing in the world, I think that is disappointing because it doesn't build on the conflict. What you want to happen is for everyone to be in pure shock, him to feel a bit ostracised, and then... They need to build on the storytelling to get it to a point where he's accepted. But he just basically becomes instantly accepted, hugely popular, and becomes a bit of a jerk. Because with popularity comes attitude, as we know in a lot of these teen movies. So, yeah, it's very, very trophy, and as I say, very strangely put together. Yeah, they must have been smoking a shitload of weed at that school. It's like, oh, yeah, he's just turned into a wolf. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Just so weird that they brush that bit of the plot under the carpet straight away. It's like, yes, that's not an obstacle. Everybody loves him now. And I kind of get why they're doing it in that way. But as you say, they could have explored that quite a bit more. There had to be at least a little bit of conflict. Is there not one person in that school that thought, fucking hell, there's a wolf? in the high school. Surely one person must have thought that way. But no, this is Team Wolf. And as soon as he turns into a werewolf, they think, oh, cool guy on campus. The basketball team's going to win. Women are going to find him irresistible. That's fantastic. I don't buy it. I really don't buy it. But I suspect that the people of IMDb might have bought it a little bit more than we did. Yeah, it's got quite a respectable 6.1 out of 10 on IMDb. So obviously it's considered slightly above average, which is really strange. And then on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 42% tomato meter and 52% audience score. So it's very much middling, but I genuinely feel this is quite a bad movie. I'm not going to lie. And I think the only reason people hold back from saying that is because of who's in it. I think if this was just like an unknown film, with unknown actors, it would definitely have been ripped to shreds more than it has because it, it's just not a good film and I can easily see myself sitting in a bad film club situation with this and I think they would have a field day with a lot of it and Michael J Fox himself really disliked this movie and didn't appreciate what he had to do in this film so I think that kind of says it all and I think obviously it was just an acting job for him before he hit the big time he had a six-week break to shoot the film that he was on a show called Family Ties and I believe one of the actresses had taken time off due to pregnancy so there was a gap in filming so that enabled him to star in Teen Wolf. But I suppose it was a little bit of a stepping stone into movies and the next thing he's, you know, working on Back to the Future. So he didn't get too bad a deal out of this but I suppose it's one of those embarrassing films you want to leave off your filmography. 
Yeah. And to be perfectly honest, he's okay in this movie. His performance is absolutely fine. It's just that it's not very well written and his character's a bit of a dick and the movie's not that great. I think, basically, for me, is that the movie is so middling and so bland and so unwilling to take any risks that I couldn't really get worked up about it, even at the end. If it had been genuinely bad for me... I'd have got really, really annoyed and sort of started ranting about it and just come on here and said, oh, fuck this movie, it's terrible. But it's so bland. It's so inoffensive. It's so unwilling to try and do anything out of the ordinary that that in itself is quite offensive to me. It's just that it doesn't take any risks whatsoever. Everything is just okay. It's just good enough to get through the movie. It's like, yeah, we'll do this. Shall we do anything with this plot strand? Nah, we can't be bothered with that. Let's just tie it up. There's supposedly this bad blood between Scott's dad and the vice principal of the school. And you think it's going to build up to this really big clash. And then it's done within about 30 seconds and that's it. That is this movie in a nutshell it's just like we've got a million and one things going on and we need to sort out a million and one things really really quickly so we can get to the next one it doesn't concentrate on the main points of the plot which leaves you thinking why did they make that movie in the end because everything worked out exactly as i'd expected there's no surprises in this movie it's quite bland and i could have done something else with that 90 95 minutes it's all right. That's all I can say about this movie is it's all right. I've forgotten most of Teen Wolf already, apart from the bits that we've been talking about. But I have no desire to watch this movie again. Even if I kind of stumbled on it late night TV, I'd just think, oh, God, not this. No, surely there's something else. I would rather watch a terrible movie than this, because at least the terrible movie would pull something emotional out of me. This I watched it and just thought, yeah, all right. Yeah, it's a film. And I'm pretty sure I came to it originally on late night TV. And I was quite disappointed then. And I don't think I really committed to watching the whole thing. And I was just thinking, I thought this was meant to be one of those really popular teen movies of the decade. So I was just thinking, this is really flat and uninteresting. So not the best way to finish off our wolfy series but at least it's not cursed i do wish we could chat longer and that's it for episode 115 of the hd movie podcast we hope you enjoyed our mini series on werewolves as always thank you for listening and if you'd like to keep up to date with our content you can follow us on social media we're on facebook x and instagram at hd movie podcast We're taking another short break because both of us are very busy over the spooky season, but we will be back towards the end of November and we will be back with the second of our Spouses Request movies. The previous one had my wife annoying the fuck out of us with Cocktail. What are we going to be doing for the second movie? So my husband Phil has picked a movie called The Calcium Kid. It stars Orlando Bloom. That's all I know about it. Hopefully it won't be as bad as cocktail time will tell i'd be astonished if it was as bad as cocktail so until we come back with the calcium kid stay safe everybody we'll see you soon the hd movie podcast is presented by Haley alice roberts and darren gaskell 
Its music is written and performed by Mitch Bay. You can find the episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Samsung Podcasts, Amazon Music, Podchaser, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Listen Notes and Podbean.